You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy, and we are here in, I think this is episode 13, 14, something like that, because we are getting ready to talk Ohio State, Michigan in the game this week. It's pretty clear what we're going to talk about. I didn't have to do a ton of thinking about the show prep. We've got plenty to talk about with, with this game, the, the revenge factor for Ohio State, both teams 11-0, and 0, tons on the line. It's going to be a fun one at high noon on Saturday. Again, I'm Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts and 247 Sports. I'm actually at my second different bar recording this podcast so far this year. I'm at Endeavor Brewery in Grandview. Um, they've got some, uh, some some nice brews here, and uh, I've been enjoying uh, – what's this one? This is their Hefeweizen that I've got right here, and uh, yeah, I recommend checking it out. I've been here quite a bit the last couple of days because the World Cup's taking place, but – we won't get to that. We're here to talk football. We're here to talk Buckeyes. And uh, to do that, we're going to start off by bringing in 97.1 and the Buckeyes show, Tim Hall. Tim, it's Thanksgiving week, so we had to change around our schedule a little bit. It's not uh, happy hour time. We're recording this at 1230 on a Wednesday, but uh, welcome to the happy hour. Why do you always say it's not happy hour time? I mean, it. Well, you know, I just don't want people to feel bad. Come on, it's always happy hour, especially on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I think a lot of people are already getting some PTO and getting ready to settle in. You know, people that aren't in our line of work but love following football and love the Buckeyes, this is this is pure heaven for them, right? I mean, yeah. Wednesday off work, Thursday, Friday, game on Saturday, NFL slate on Sunday. Hopefully you can enjoy that more if the Buckeyes win on Saturday. Then it's just going to be, you know – NFL hate watching for Buckeye fans, but I feel 
I feel one point victory good about about the game coming up on Saturday, Pat. I feel I mean I'm an, I'm incredibly nervous, but I also feel like things would be very bad for Ryan Day if he lost this game and so I'm going to put my push my chips to Ohio State's side by basically one point, which is which is all all it's going to take for you to get to Indianapolis, just hold on to Protect home field, you know, hold serve, get the job done by any means necessary and move on to Indy and and continue on with a, with a shot, hopefully, to win a national championship, which I'm, I'm still not convinced of. But I, I don't think Michigan uh, is some lock to win a national championship either. I think these teams are kind of equal in different ways. They play the game different differently, Pat, but I think – I think they're pretty darn equal going into this one. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've got two versus three. The first time that's been the case since 2016. You've got undefeated teams. First time that's been the case since 2006. Um, But before we really dive into this one, I want to ask you, because like myself, you didn't grow up with this game. I mean, I I moved to Columbus when I was 10 years old. My dad lived in Ohio before then. So I was well aware of what this game was, but – I didn't really get to experience it my entire life. You moved to Columbus as an adult for, for work. What is your first memory of Ohio State, Michigan that like stands out in your mind? Well, I I certainly remember watching this game as a kid. I, yeah. I can't really point to any specific team, but really you remember Michigan having some dominance in this series in the 1990s. And that was that was my heyday from when some of my earliest football memories click in, Pat, you know, being born in 1984. So I'm a 10-year-old kid in, in 1994. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of those John Cooper teams, which you remember them. Like, I, I remember, you know, those wide receiver weapons that Ohio State had back in the day. And obviously, oh, yeah. Eddie George as a running back, one of the one of the best ever play here. But you know, also guys like Terry Glenn and David Boston and what those guys were. So it's it's tough, right? Because some of those Buckeye teams, the rosters they had in the 1990s, whether that was, you know, Joe Germain or Bobby Hoyings teams, so good, so good, right? But the seasons that were wrecked by Michigan, it's something that, that stings an awful lot. But then when the turn of the century came about, we moved into this golden era of Ohio State football, and they started to make the climb back in, you know, to being you know, on Ohio State side, to being competitive in this series and catching up from the early history when Michigan, you know, in the early 1900s just shot out and had a huge lead, and you still got eight games to go, right? I, I can't fingers right yet. Eight games to go. So that's that, and – People that are scorekeeping, and I think you do in this rivalry, this is another opportunity on Saturday to, to pull within seven of uh, the all-time race to catch the rival here. Yeah, seven, which is as close as it's been in, in quite some time. If, if they win, they were obviously seven before last seven games yeah. away before yeah. last year, and, and you lose to the Wolverines. If you're watching this live, feel free to throw in your comments your first memories of the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. For me, it was similar – to you, Tim, because as a as a fan growing up of sports, again, my dad lived lived in Ohio for a while before I moved here. So 
I was very much aware this game was always something that we had on TV. But, like, really the first game I remember sitting down and, like, watching from start to end, dialed in 100%, was that 2002 game. Um, just because everything that was on the line there, Ohio State obviously yeah. waiting to go to the national championship game. I know I watched games before then. I have memories from from some of the other games, but that's the one where like I can remember pretty much sitting and watching the whole game. Even you know I was I was in middle school at that point, um, but that was like full on. We had some. I, I think I went to a buddy's house actually. Everyone was dialed in. You know it, it was it was full focus on the Buckeyes and Michigan in that game. So. That's my first, like, very distinctive memory of, of that rivalry. Obviously, that whole season was edge of your seat. Every game mattered, but that one especially. Yeah, that's good. That's a that's good to have a positive early memory of it, you know, and yeah. mine were negative thinking about the 1995 and 1996 seasons, right? So that's uh, – and then I've, I've also worked with some guys, too, who played in that era. D, Mil- D. Miller, you know, close – you know, close friend who I've gotten to work with here at the station on again and off again through the years and, and doing the pregame show for Buckeye yeah. football when I used to do that. It's, uh, you know, the, the the one time that they got to beat their rival, you you had the loss to Michigan State, you know, <laughs> that the 1998 team. Oh, my God. You know what? What what are we doing here? <laughs> What's happening? But then again, you fast forward a little bit and other friends I've made and guys that I've worked with, I mean, who can forget, you know, the imagery of, of Beanie Wells running the football in that 2006 game, right? Yeah. And some busting off some big plays and, you know, the, the one versus two. And like we said, the 11 and O's, right? Because th- this is it. It was that and this. And when you're talking about 11 and O's, I know undefeated, but for yeah. two teams to actually be 11 and O going into this matchup, that was the only other time in 2006. And, to, to work with a guy and uh, you know, I just saw Beanie in the building yesterday. They were taping one of the uh, special shows for, for 10 TV that'll air coming up here uh, on game day, I believe. So it's just, it, it's cool to have, you know, worked some guys and worked with some guys and, and know some people who had a big impact in this series. And we know, we know what it means in this town, right? If you go out there on Saturday, all these guys that, you know, maybe are, are looking for that their first taste of victory, right? Because you didn't you didn't play the game in 2020. I and mean, think about that. This is the in a long, long, long time here now with Ohio State's dominance over Michigan. You think about going all the way back to 2019 was the last time that they won this game. So you got a lot of guys on this roster, Pat, that don't know what it's about. Yeah. Don't know what it is to get a pair of those gold pants to beat this team. And Maybe most recently, I think of a guy like Chris Olave who came out with a bang and you know, really showed who he was going to ultimately be when he was a young man, blocking that punt and catching a couple of touchdowns. Really, you look at what he did in the box score, it wasn't a whole lot else besides those three major plays that he made. Yeah. And it's who can come up and, and make a performance like that that's going to last for a lifetime. That, that's what you look for in, in this game. You mentioned Michigan, uh, Ohio State being 11-0. Crazy statistic in my mind here. So Ohio State has regularly won 11 games. Other than the COVID season of 2020 where they didn't play that many games, they've done it every year since 2011. Michigan hasn't had consecutive 11-win seasons since 1903. 
unbelievable. Mind-blowing. Mind and I know they yeah. haven't always played that many games, so that skews it a little bit. But Right. But lately, just, I mean, when with college football switching to conference championships, right. you get the 13th game and then possibly a 14th game if you get to the playoff. That that really is insane. So, yeah, it, it goes to show you how really – Ahead in the ahead of the curve, Ohio State has been over the rival. The numbers obviously back that up with right. with the Buckeyes dominating in this game through the past twenty years. But that's kind of crazy to think because Jim Harbaugh, he he definitely brought a an immediate turn in the win loss record for Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Getting rid, you know, the end of Rich Rod and then Brady Hoke being a total disaster. He was getting you up to that ten win plateau pretty consistently. Of course, had trouble in the rivalry games in his first, you know, four or five years there with Michigan State and Ohio State. But then to finally get them to 11 wins, to finally win the Big Ten championship, still, you still have to say they're behind the Buckeyes. I mean, obviously, nobody would even doubt that. They're still behind the Buckeyes because yeah. Oh, yeah. he has not been able to take them to that next level, which, of course, Ohio State has already done as recently as 2014. So, and then there's another thing about not getting embarrassed. Michigan got embarrassed when they went to the college football playoff. Well, and just you know, consistency, State usually, right? Yeah, go ahead, man. Well, just the consistency. You need to have – you know, they did it last year. They won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State. They made the playoff. But that's one season. If, if you're going to be where everyone thinks Michigan should be level-wise, it's got to be year in and year out. And, yeah. and obviously, you know, they put together a great season this year, no doubt about it. But if you don't cap it off – both teams, if you don't cap this off with a win on Saturday and then a Big Ten championship and then at least a semifinal appearance, I think both teams will feel pretty disappointed uh, if they're not there. Agreed. Let me focus. Let's focus in on, on the game specifically. Um, for the sake of this conversation, let's just assume Blake Corum plays. I don't know if he will. They don't know if he will. But how big of a concern in your mind is that guy? Because – He's turned into a Heisman Trophy candidate running back this year. Ohio State's run defense has been good. It's not phenomenal, but they also haven't faced a running back like, like this kid. Um, and, you know, obviously with J.J. McCarthy back there, Michigan's not going to throw it around the park uh, like, like Ohio State might be able to do. So how concerning is it to you, assuming he plays, and then what does it change in your mind if he doesn't play for Michigan? It's a – He's a concern, you know. I mean, it, it'd be foolish to say that he's not. If you've watched him play at all, he's a tough son of a gun. You know, being injured is being injured, right? But I think everybody on both sides of, of this matchup, if there's like a, a shred of a doubt that you could play, you're going to bandage whatever you're going to bandage. You're going to take whatever kind of legal shot you're allowed to take before the game. You're going, you're going on in there, right? Like I'm, I'm good to go coach. So he's a concern. He's a great player. And that's what this, this rivalry is about. It's about big time players stepping up and doing whatever they can. I, I also believe in, in the guys that Ohio state has on defense that they can rise to that challenge too. It, it, it is. I, I believe in it. And I know you do too, Pat, where, when these teams are to a certain level, you can forget about what throws J.J. McCarthy missed against Illinois. You can throw out what the schedule was for each team and comparing wins and who looked worse against maybe a worse opponent. All, all that, all those semantics, just whatever. You made it to this Saturday, 11-0, yeah. 
and the blood is going to be boiling. So that's what it's about. I, I do think, you know, with the way they want to run the football and the way they want to ball control, whether that's going to be Blake Edwards or Edward or, or Blake Corum or Edwards or somebody else for them, Tommy Eichenberg, our middle linebacker, broken hands and all, this could be a big time legacy game for him. And I do think if Ohio State's going to be, if the defense is going to play really well, and if they're going to do their part and they win this football game, he's going to end up with something between 14 to 17 tackles. And he is going to be in that A gap and in that B gap, running three yards downhill and cracking a running back in the mouth almost on a, you know, two to three plays in a row, you know, when they're on their defensive sets. So I look forward to what he can bring. I think 35 is going to have a big game for Ohio State. And I'm wearing my, the, my silver bullet sweatshirt for you, just, just in honor of the performance that I hope they have on Saturday. And I think this is the game that, that actually tells whether this is going to solidify these guys as a silver bullet defense. It's, it's one thing for Jim Knowles to turn some numbers around, but, I mean, you, you fix the defense to get to this game, and then you really fix it. It all goes for naught if you've done all this work and then you get to the, the rivalry game at 11-0 and you're home and it all falls apart. So this is what it's about on Saturday. I just saw this on, on Twitter as you were talking about this. Michigan runs into a stacked box on 61% of attempts this year. They average 5.9 yards per attempt running into the stacked box. Yeah. OSU allows 3.5 yards per attempt at the stacked box. And contacts ball carriers in the backfield at a 52% rate with the stack box. So that's mm. strength on strength right there. Yeah, and, that's football. I mean, yeah, right. And, and especially Big Ten in end of November football, we're going to see it on that side of the ball. Flip it, though. Ohio State, and uh, we, we had this comment here from, uh, from Anthony Lightfoot. We have to, to win, we have to throw, pass to set up the run, and don't get stubborn on the run. Tim, we've talked about this running game the last several weeks, and, and I made it clear a few weeks ago. I think Ohio State is clearly a pass-first team. That's how they have their most success. But we've seen the last few weeks, if you can complement it with the running game, last week when Dallin Hayden came in, they were able to run the ball. Things went a lot smoother. So maybe I was a bit too too hasty to just say that the passing attack was was able to handle it. We saw last year they didn't have the run game. In your mind, how, how much – do they need to be able to run? I don't know who the running back is going to be. We can talk about that separately. But how, how important is it for Ohio State to have some semblance of a solid run game and not just have it all in C.J. Stroud and these receivers? I mean, it's, it's got to be important, Pat, because the, I mean, the way that Michigan wants to play, that's their M.O. I mean, clearly, I, I, Anthony, like, I hear you, man. I, I get what you're saying. And, and I do – I have some small doubts – I guess call me crazy about where CJ is overall, because I thought in that early quarter of the season, even in the Notre Dame game, we talked about it. The numbers might not have been there, but he had some great drives late in that football game to secure the win. And then he went into that next four or five weeks, I thought in an all time level zone. I mean, it was off the field. It was on the field, laser focus, just his ball placement and what he was doing consistently was just at an all-time level. And look, he's still an elite thrower. We, we can find the good film in every single game. That's, that's not hard to do. Like, we can find the good film for CJ in every football game they've played where he's throwing an absolute dot to Marvin or Emeka. But then we can find some plays where he's maybe not using his head quite as much as we'd like him. You know, not uh, 
throwing the ball away on first and 10 like he should if the look isn't there, you know, having some uh, trouble with the mesh point with a handoff, you know what I'm talking about? So it's – we he's going to have to throw it. He's going to have to step up and make some big-time plays because the Ohio State offense, like Anthony is saying, they're built for that, for Marvin and Emeka downfield getting big plays. To your question originally, I don't know how anyone can think that you can not run the football – and have any semblance of a running game, I don't. I don't think you are held under 100 yards rushing and win this football game. You, yes. you yeah, got, no. you got to have something back there. You yeah. got to have something to chew some clock and show some physicality. You have to wear down that Michigan defensive line. It's a tough. It's a toughness game. Everything we talked about coming off of last year's game. I yeah. loved how Tommy Eichenberg had the had some profanity when responding in, in player interviews this week. I don't know if you saw that. I don't give a bleep. I don't, I don't give a yep. bleep about what somebody up in Michigan said. We know yeah. what we've got in this room here. It, it's going to be about that. So I, I do think they have to run the football and, and run it pretty effectively to win the game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly a key uh, for both teams. I, I mean, I think these type of games, it's line of scrimmage, right? That's That's how you win these games. Ohio State didn't have that last year. The Buckeyes have had it in most of these games of late against Michigan. Tim, I know you got some some stuff on the fan to do, so you kind of said it earlier, but uh, you're, you're given a one-point win. Is that right? Yeah, man. That's that's what I'm ready to do. So All right, let's what, go with what, a, has, a, what do the Buckeyes have to do right to get that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a 24-23. Uh, I haven't thought about the score yet, but that's that's what I'll go that's what I'll go with. I'll, I'll push it back to defense, man. I mean, this is – I mean, I, they're going to have to throw the ball effectively the same way they're going to have to run the ball effectively. It's going to have to be balanced in that regard offensively for Ohio State. But this is a this is a type of game where defense rises up to the challenge. They get off the field on third downs more often than not. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to – see this secondary step up when J.J. McCarthy is forced to throw. Those guys have to play better than they've played in the last six weeks. But I'm going to hope that everything that we've got up front from the defensive line to those linebackers that with Seal and Tommy Eichenberg that we've talked so much about all year, those guys are going to have enough of a performance to help push the Buckeyes through. Special teams, don't overlook special teams. Lathan Ransom blocking a couple of punts uh, in consecutive weeks. That's a big-time thing. We talked about Chris Olave. Somebody can go out and make a play like that. That could be the difference in winning or losing this football game. Yeah, special teams for sure. We've seen it. As you mentioned, Chris Olave, there's been returns in this game, you know, going back both sides of the ball. Uh, I think that that's always an underlooked thing in, in these games. Even in just like, like Xavier Johnson last week when he had, I think it was the kick return, it was, you know, didn't, didn't score, didn't do anything. But, like, that's a guy who – Maybe one special teams play by Xavier Johnson just you know, cements him as that walk-on guy who, who made huge plays for Ohio State in the biggest moments, and he's already done it this year. All right, Tim, well, I thank you very much for coming on. I know it's a, this is even a busier week than normal. you got Thanksgiving yeah. tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I appreciate you taking 20-some minutes to, uh, to talk some Buckeyes with us on the happy hour. Everybody else, I mean, get, get ready to watch – some Buckeye basketball taking on Texas Tech here in a couple yeah. hours. Yeah, big chance for those guys to 
come away two and one at the Maui. This Texas Tech basketball team, man, they're good. They might be a little better than San Diego State, but I, I got a feeling Ohio State's going to pull out a slim win today. Yeah, I told you yesterday that I was full, full, fully not in basketball season yet, but last night's win was fun. It was it's good to watch the Buckeyes kind of Come Put on. a hurting on a good team. Beating Cincinnati by almost 30? That's yeah. good any that's good anywhere, anytime. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Tim. I'll talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. See everybody. Go Bucks. Let's get it done on Saturday. All right. Thanks for Timmy Hall there. Again, uh, this is the Bucknuts Happy Hour. You know that if you're here. I've asked uh people already, but if you're tuning in live now. What was your first memory of Ohio, first real memory of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry? Throw that in the chat. I'm interested to see what the different memories are from, from people. So put that in there. Also, if you want to throw in some predictions, uh, what you think is going to happen on Saturday at high noon at Ohio Stadium, throw those in the chat as well. We will soon be joined by Alejandro Zunega of our Michigan website at 247 Sports. He's going to come in and talk to us about the Buckeyes and the Wolverines give us a little bit more on the Michigan side of things. I did his podcast, uh, which is already up and out. I did that yesterday. So you can listen to, to that if you want as well. They do great stuff over there. There's plenty of content on the Michigan side of stuff over at uh, the inside. Yeah. The, the Michigan 247 site, you can find it over there. So if you want to, uh, to check them out, feel free. Again, I am at, I hear, hear people asking, I am at uh, Endeavor Brewery in Grandview today, my second different bar I've recorded the happy hour from. And uh, there is a World Cup game going on, which is why I was here earlier. I was going to go home, but I decided, look, we're in a bar. There's a nice little spot over here where I can record the podcast. Why not record the happy hour from a place where you can actually have happy hour? And in fact, they are doing happy hour for the World Cup game. So I, I saw a couple of people asking about the noise in the background. I believe Spain just scored a goal, so that was that was what that was. Anyway, we're here to talk Ohio State-Michigan. Tim was talking about his keys to Ohio State winning the game. Look, I love what C.J. Stroud and these receivers have done, but I do think that it's going to be about which team can establish the run. And if Michigan has Blake Corum, obviously they have an advantage in, in that factor because they have one of the best running backs in the country. But if Ohio State can get any healthier at running back, I think it's going to be huge, whether that be Mayan Williams coming back, whether that's Travion Henderson maybe a little bit healthier than he was last week. But if that's not the case, if those guys aren't ready to go, I think Ryan Day needs to be ready to hand the ball to Dallin Hayden and let him do what he did. Now, freshmen have made plays in this game. There's, there's no doubt about that throughout the history of the rivalry. But you're giving a freshman running back – the ball and Ryan Day made the comment. I think it was this past or last week that when you hand the ball to a running back, you're putting the whole team in his hands. You are, but thus far, all we've seen from Dallin Hayden, I don't know what's happened in practice, but what we've seen from Dallin Hayden is he's held onto the ball, he hasn't fumbled, he's made good decisions, and he's running the ball well. So to me, that is your best bet, assuming that, that nothing has changed significantly from last week. To, to get Dallin Hayden at the very least significantly involved, whether he starts, whether he has the most carries, whatever the case may be. I can't imagine that a banged up Travion Henderson from what we saw last week or Mayan Williams who couldn't even play last week is ready to take on a full workload. And I think that's going to be really important. Um, now, again, in the coaching staff, we trust, right? 
they see these guys in practice every every week, every day. So, you know, if, if they are really concerned about Dallin Hayden putting the ball on the ground, that is a major concern in, in a game like this with, with anybody. So you have to have that trust. I think that's going to be hugely important. And, and Timmy mentioned it before. It's going to be stopping the run the other way. How are they able to do that? Whether, whether Blake Corm or not is, uh, is going to be on the field, you've got to stop Michigan running the football. That is what they do. If you can make this team one-dimensional, if you can you know, put the ball into J.J. McCarthy's hands and say, hey, mobile quarterback, yes, but, but a guy who doesn't throw the ball overly confidently right now, um, a guy who's been prone for inaccurate throws and, and some mistakes. If you can force him to have to beat you, I think the Buckeyes would feel pretty confident about that. Uh, you know, it would be his first time really playing in the game. He did get in some uh, last year, but, but obviously he was not the starter. He was not the guy. So another factor I think is, is and this is probably as obvious as it gets, but playing at Ohio Stadium, um, you know, Michigan, really got the home crowd going last year it was uh it was rocking in the big house when when they got up and were able to maintain that throughout the game so i think it will be very important similarly for ohio state to get things going early get that crowd that noon crowd i know people start the tailgates earlier on michigan saturday but still a noon crowd get that crowd hyped get that crowd going and really really try and make a difference there um you know you, Getting ahead, getting a lead is, is going to be important for this one. But let's get a let's get a little view of the other side of things. We're gonna bring in my guy Alejandro Zunega from our Michigan website with 247 Sports. Alejandro, it, it feels like I just talked to you yesterday. Hey, how's it going? It's been it's been a while. Yeah, right. Um, as I mentioned, I already pubbed it a little bit, but I did your podcast. That's already out there for, for anyone who wants to give a listen. Uh, just just for the record, for Ohio State fans here, I did pick the Buckeyes to win at the end of that podcast, so you don't have to be mad at me. Um, and if you have any questions, if you're watching this live, if you have any questions for Alejandro about the Michigan side of things, feel free to throw them in the chat. But uh, thanks for joining me, Alejandro. How, how are things going on your side of things? Oh, I mean, things are going fine. I, I'm just, uh, I'm joining after watching Costa Rica absolutely get embarrassed in the World Cup. Um, I'm, I'm Costa Rican. Uh, and, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is, uh, didn't expect big things from them in this tournament, but I certainly did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I said at the beginning of this, I'm actually at a local bar by my, by my house. Okay. And it was like either run home at halftime or I, had, I found a nice little table here that I could do it at. And they've got the game on. So at one point, people were people were yelling things, and people in the chat were a little <laughs> confused. But I'm sorry for that. Well, let's dive into this game, so you don't have to think about that game as much. For sure. If you were to pick out one or two keys for the Michigan side of things to win this game at Ohio Stadium, what are those one or two most important things that Michigan has to do? I mean, I think it all starts with with health, right? There's really no question about that, and uh, it's. It's Michigan, as many big programs are, is is very secretive about how things are injury wise. Um, so they're never going to tell us. They're you know they're not going to give us a pre pregame injury report. They're not right. going to let us watch practice. Nothing along those lines. But you know this is a team that that relies heavily on Blake Corum. 
uh, right? And and we saw that against Illinois last week when Quorum was out, Donovan Edwards was out, um, starting tight end Luke Schoonmaker was out, uh, Trevor Keegan on the offensive line was out. You know, the, those injuries really start to pile up. Um, so I think for Michigan to have have a, a good shot in this game, uh, you need to be able to to field Donovan Edwards. You need to be able to field Blake Quorum. You know, hopefully, hopefully he's healthy. Uh, and control the line of scrimmage like we did last year. Um, there hasn't been a point this year where Michigan's been able to to win a game through the air, right? Uh, that just hasn't happened this year, and I don't expect it to, to show up out of the blue uh, in Week 12 or Week 13 against Ohio State. Uh, so you need to have a healthy and functional running game. Uh, it's got to start with that. What is your confidence based on what you've heard, what you've – gathered this week that uh oh i love that um, it's just a diet coke you know I, I i drank my tears away already uh from costa rica well it, it sounded like you were you were ready to party <laughs> um what is your confidence about blake Quorum? What, what what can you tell us about the injury and, and kind of the situation there yeah i, I mean with blake Quorum, it, it's it's a knock to his knee right um the the good news from, from what Michigan said post-game uh, last week is that it's not a structural issue. Uh, and I fully expect, uh, with both him and Donovan Edwards, I, I fully expect them both to travel. I fully expect them both to dress and warm up and, and see what they can do. Um, you know, Donovan Edwards, uh, his injury, it, it doesn't seem to be lower body. Uh, it seems to be more of an upper body, potentially like a hand type thing. Um, so, so you, you know, you can maybe work around that if, if you're a running back. Uh, but, you know, the, there's ball security implications to that. And there's also, like, the, the fact that Blake Quorum is – or, excuse me, that Donovan Edwards is a, is a pass-catching option. You know, that's, that's why he's so dangerous. Uh, in terms of Blake Quorum, you know, we saw him a couple of days ago. He, he does things in the community. Uh, and he was out delivering turkeys uh, for the second year in a row. That's what he Pretty does. cool that he does that, by the way. Yeah, very cool that he does that. And and cool that he does that. You know, last year he was he was the backup running back. And, uh, you know, he wasn't as big of a name as, as he is this year. And the fact that he's doing it, you know, despite being the uh, a Heisman front runner, uh, despite suffering an injury, despite being the highest profile player on the team, uh, very cool that he does that. He's a, a very upstanding young man from everything that I can tell, everything that we've heard. Um, but, you know, it, it's not a structural issue with his knee, so that's that's a good start. Uh, after he did get injured, he came in, he played two snaps, I think it was. He carried the ball once, and, and he stayed in pass protecting another snap. Um, but we also saw him warm up before that second half against Illinois, and while his straight line – ability was fine. Uh, we saw him cut a few times and clearly wasn't 100% comfortable. Um, so, so like I said, I, I think he's going to give it a go. Um, you know, if if it were a super serious injury, uh, if it were something structural, obviously he wouldn't have come back in for the second half of that Illinois game. Um, but do I think he's going to be 100%? You know, I doubt it. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be injected with, you know, whatever painkillers, whatever, whatever they have, you know, maybe the magic spray that they have at soccer games. So right. Can't feel a thing. Yeah. I mean, as a number of Ohio state players pointed out to it this week, no one is a hundred percent healthy at this point yeah. in the season, unless you just haven't played this year. Um, yeah. Everyone's banged up. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the difficult thing, and you know, it's it's certainly the case with with JSN with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, there's there's stars on on both sides of this team of, of both both sides of this rivalry um, that are going to be out. I think the difficult thing for Michigan fans and maybe for Michigan to fathom is like, this is your number one guy, Blake Corum, and it happened, you know, thirty minutes before the biggest game of the season. Right. It, it's you know, you were so close to getting him healthy to the game, or at least, you know, as close to 100% as you could possibly hope for. Uh, and that's sort of the nightmare scenario is that all of a sudden you go from a Heisman candidate uh, and his very competent backup to within the last couple of games, both of them have taken enough. Right? You know, that means that you're maybe relying a lot on, on, on a CJ Stokes who's talented, but he's a, a true freshman. And when Michigan needed a fourth down last game, they were throwing the ball to a walk-on, Isaiah Gash. And, like, that's that's not what you want from either side of the rivalry in the game, yeah. right? You want, you want both teams to be as 100% as possible. Yeah. Regardless of whether Corum plays, I'm, I'm curious about J.J. McCarthy. And Rick Montoya asked, uh, will McCarthy crack under the pressure on such a big stage? I won't ask it that way, but – just the, your confidence level in, in McCarthy to make, you know, if Corm's in there, obviously he's going to have to make, or if Corm's not in there, he's obviously going to have to make yeah. more plays. But regardless, I imagine there will come a point in this game where he has to make the throw, make a run, do something on a third, whatever the situation may be. How, how confident are you in what you've seen from him this season as a first-year starter that in a game like this, he can get the job done in, in those type of situations? For sure. I, I mean, I think it's it's a fair question, Rick. Um, I don't think I don't think crack under the pressure is is the term I would use with JJ. I think uh, everything I've seen from him, uh, both on and off the field, he's a he's a very confident person. He's a very confident player. Uh, his teammates really respect him. He's a very good leader, both on and off the field. Uh, so I don't think confidence is really the issue. I don't think that the stage is going to be too big for him. You know, Michigan, he's a first-year starter, uh, but he's a guy who who has been in big situations before. You know, Michigan played him for much of the second half of the college football playoff game last year. You know, they had a package for him against Ohio State last year. He did goal line stuff against Michigan State. You know, so, so he has that experience. Um, I think where my concern is with him is, you know, he, he started the year as the most accurate quarterback in college football. And that has taken a, a significant decline over the last couple of weeks. Um, so that's really, that's my concern it is less it's pressure and more. It's just that, you know, his level of play hasn't, it hasn't progressed at, at the level that maybe Michigan fans, Michigan coaches would have wanted, you know, he's, he's good at making reads for the most part. He's good pre-snap. He's a baller. Like he can, you know, if something goes wrong on a play, he can turn, you know, water into wine or make wine out of water as 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 jim harbaugh says um but it's the more routine stuff it's the you know when you're rolling out and and you've got a flood concept and you've got you know isaiah gash short but you've got Wilson wide open in the end zone you make that read you see him uh and then also when you have a guy wide open uh if if, if it's a deep shot or even intermediate throws he just hasn't been that accurate on them these last couple of weeks right um i don't know if it's you know, weather was certainly a factor last week. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, like Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end, who was really his number one target or one of his top targets, has been out these last couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's something. Uh, it's 
uh, it's less about cracking under pressure. It's more about, you know, can he make the throws that at the beginning of the season were so routine for him? Um, so that's how I Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Michigan's been very good this year defensively. They were good last year defensively. But new defensive coordinator this year, or first-year defensive coordinator, I guess new is not probably the right term anymore as we're into week 13. But Jesse Minter, how, is, how has he kind of changed this defense from what Ohio State fans saw last year? And what do you expect for him to maybe cook up against this Buckeye offense? Sure. It's uh... – so I wish we talked to Jesse Minter this week or had a chance to talk to him because one thing that was uh, notable about him taking this job is that when he interviewed for the job, uh, he actually, Jim Harbaugh asked candidates to show up for the interview with game plans for how they defend Ohio State. Interesting. Um, so, so that's interesting. And obviously, you know, what you cook up uh, based on last year's Ohio State team, you know, when you're interviewing for the job in, you know, December or January is different than what you're going to, what, what you're going to roll out there in a couple of days. But uh, obviously this is a game that Michigan and, and Jesse Minter specifically has been thinking about for quite some time. Um, Jesse Minter, I, I don't think you'd expect to see too much different uh, from like a defensive, like schematic standpoint. Uh, the fact is Jesse Minter comes from the same coaching tree as Mike McDonald. You know, they, they both were with the Ravens. Uh, that's, and that was one of the reasons he was hired is like, this is year two of a scheme rather than starting over with year one again, like Michigan did last year. Um, I think where the differences are is that the places Michigan is better at defensively this year is, is different than what they were last year. You know, last year it was the edge play that was, you know, it let Michigan do a lot with its back seven because it like, because Mike McDonald knew he could get pressure with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and you could right. rush four and you were still getting to the quarterback. It hasn't really been the case this year quite as much. Uh, so it means that, you know, you've got to dial up some, some more exotic blitzes. If you want to get to the quarterback, you really have to be bringing more than four. Uh, I think Michigan is, has not been able to get pressure very well with four people here. Um, and I certainly don't expect them to, to suddenly flip that switch uh, against the talented offensive line like Ohio State that's built around protecting C.J. Stroud and has done that very well all season. One of the things that I know was talked about quite a bit on both sides was the fact that the game in 2020 wasn't played, so it's been four years since Michigan's been to Ohio Stadium. Uh, yeah. That means a lot of guys on both sides of the ball haven't played in this game at, at Ohio Stadium at the Shoe. Obviously, the crowd became quite a factor last year. Uh, in, in that game, how do you think Michigan players will handle? Obviously, they've been on the road in the Big Ten. They've, they've played in other venues, but how do you think they'll handle, you know, the emotions of everything? Plus, you're the team on the road this game. Yeah, I mean, that that remains to be seen, right? I I I'm not very high on the Michigan football team schedule this year, um, and I, I like a sense. lot of it. You know, it's not part of it is the scheduling. You know, Michigan could have played UCLA and got out of that series. And, uh, but, but even like the teams that they've played have been, you know, the whole non-conference was playing against teams that were installing either new systems or had freshman quarterbacks. Um, and, and even when Michigan went on the road, uh, you know, Michigan's big test 
of the of the Big Ten road schedule is playing at Iowa, and that ended up being an 11 a.m. kickoff as opposed to a night game where, where yeah. we know how Kinnick can get at night. Um, Ohio State, as well as Michigan does, both have had seasons, you know, pretty heavily derailed by Kinnick <laughs> at night. Uh, so, so there's that. You know, Michigan hasn't really played a, a very like imposing road atmosphere this season. You know, like they played at Rutgers at night, but you know that was a Rutgers. You know, that was a, a stadium that was maybe 30% Michigan fans and was maybe 70% full at kickoff. Um, so I think it, it really does remain to be seen. Um, you know, Michigan played, you know, at Michigan State last year. They played at Nebraska last year. So they have played in big atmospheres. Um, but this is, you know, this is bigger than all those, like in terms of both, you know, the size of the stadium itself. Uh, I know that, you know, having been, I was last at, at the shoe in 2014 and, you know, the, the students are right there on top of you. There's very little preventing them from the field. Uh, and, and there's the pressure of, you know, of this being the biggest game. It's, it's what's been circled. You know, so, so I, I think that that's a very fair question. Um, there's, there's pressure on Michigan that's different in this game than, than there have been in previous years, right? You know, in, in previous years, the pressure was, you know, will we ever beat Ohio State? Um, now all of a sudden it's, hey, we're the reigning Big Ten champions. There's been a target on our backs all season. Uh, but all of a sudden, like, this is, you know, the stakes are huge for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do think that, you know, playing at home last year was a huge factor. And I know, I know for a fact that, you know, Ohio State fans are, are chomping at chance. They're champing at the bit uh, for a game that hasn't happened at their place in in many many years. Yeah, um, you talked about fans there. I'm curious your vibe on how the fans from Ann Arbor, the Michigan fans, are feeling heading into this one. As you mentioned, there, reigning Big Ten champions finally got the monkey off the back last year. Yeah. So, but it is going into Columbus. It is you know, a, a highly ranked match that will decide everything. What, what is the, the feeling around the Michigan fan base of, about this game right now? I think, so, so I, I think most fans are probably rightfully thinking that Ohio State is probably going to win this game. You know, Ohio State's favored for a reason. Michigan's banged up, like all those things. I, I think the, the big thing that has changed from the, these last couple of years is, you know, there's finally hope. And there's finally like the belief that it can happen. It had been, it had been so long, you know, whatever the Twitter account said that kept counting up the days, like those days kept getting bigger. Uh, And, you know, what Michigan went into the game last year and, you know, maybe the program knew that they could do it. Maybe there was belief in the coaching staff and the players and, you know, but if you'd pulled, if you'd pulled like the, the Michigan fan base after, you know, after Michigan, you know, narrow, not narrowly, Michigan blew out Maryland, but then you saw Ohio State just, you know, decapitate Michigan State the week before the game last year. And, you know, had you had you pulled the fan base at that point, it's like, oh, like, here we go again. Like, this was a nice season. It was a nice bounce back season, but it's going to be another year where we lost to Michigan State and now we're going to lose to Ohio State again and make it to a Florida Bowl game, but not, not really take that next step. Um, I, I think last year's game and this year's performance has done a good job of rebuilding the fan base back to that confidence that, you know, even if it's not likely 
uh, or expected that Michigan's going to win, like all of a sudden it is within the realm of possibility in a sense where, you know, it, in a way that it really wasn't last year. Yeah. Last year it was, you know, I, I, before this season, I was trying to like kind of piece together my feelings about Michigan football. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of, I, I posted this on our board, but I, I was kind of like, it's kind of a little bit of melancholy, a little bit bittersweet. And I think the reason for that is because last year was so unexpected. You know, the 2021 season came out of Michigan being two and four. It came out of, you know, calls to fire Jim Harbaugh. It came out of like the expectation that you looked at that schedule and you're like, oh, maybe Michigan goes like seven and five, you know, eight and four if, if they're really lucky. But last year they were on the road at Nebraska, on the road at Wisconsin, you know, on the road at Michigan State, facing Ohio State. Like, you know, you're just easily counting up those walkers. Yeah. And then it was such a magical run when they when they won the Big Ten. It came out of nowhere. Um, so there was a little bit, for me, a little bit of a, you know, Michigan is going to be very good this year again, and they have been very good. But all of a sudden, it's less like, it's less of a magical feeling and more of like, a, this is what everyone did. And now we're going into the game again. And now, like, now, like, this is the deciding game. Like, it's right, you know, taking care of business as opposed to, to really being joyous. So let's just say, and, and sorry, Ohio State fans listening, but let's say Michigan wins this game, goes on. We'll just assume they win the Big Ten because I think the Big Ten East winner will be the, the heavy favorite, whoever they end up playing there. Yeah. Um, how. How much, obviously last year changed things for the program because they finally got over the hump, finally did all that. But doing it two years in a row, getting back to the college football playoff, how huge would that be for Jim Harbaugh, recruiting, the program, just kind of all-encompassing there to, to beat Ohio State on the road, to go back, win the Big Ten for a second straight year, really establish yourself as the, the top team if you're Michigan. I mean, it's hard to even put that into words because I, I don't even know when the last time is that Michigan beat. Ohio State two years in a row. It's been a while. It's been it's been a long time. I think, I mean, perception wise, that would be huge, right? And that would, yeah, that would really, I think, more for Ohio State, like show, like, hey, like, there's some cracks in the foundation. Um, for Michigan, I think there was a belief that having done it last year, uh, especially from like a like a recruiting standpoint, I think the belief was like, if you beat Ohio state last year and you finally won the big 10, like there's going to be an immediate, you know, recruiting result from that. Like Michigan will take that next step up and that, that hasn't happened yet. So, so it's hard to say, like, it's hard to answer that question because I think perception wise, it's huge, right? Like perception wise, you can all of a sudden point to, you know, point to 2021 and 2022 and tell recruits and tell, you know, tell the world if you want to play in the biggest stadium in college football, if you want to play in front of the most eyeballs in college football, because, you know, this is going to be the most watched game of the weekend, certainly probably of the year. Uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to win championships, you can come to Ann Arbor, you can come to Michigan. That's a that's a pitch that hasn't, you know, Michigan hasn't been able to, to give for, for a while. Um and yeah, like getting the monkey off the back of winning in Columbus. That hasn't happened, you know, yeah. since I was in high school. It's been it's been a while for that too. Um I I think it remains to be seen though, just because the like the recruiting 
like the recruiting aspect hasn't taken that far. So I think anyone but like it's it's filtered in ways that people didn't really expect. Um, after this so I don't want to say like you know that would be a seismic victory that would change everything forever because um, last year's win could have done that and it hasn't. Um, but it would be. You know, it would be another it, it'd be another step in the right direction of getting Michigan back towards you know national. Yeah, as good as they are this year, I don't think Michigan fans are sitting here thinking Michigan's the best team in the country. Flipping it a little bit, if Michigan loses to Ohio State, if they go to a Rose Bowl or whatever the situation, however it ends up being, would that be still viewed? a one loss season be a success still, or is it, you know, cause in Columbus, if Ohio state loses this game on Saturday, you know, no one's going to care about the bowl game or, you know, it's, this was all the, the, the team has been building to this. Um, you know, they, they've got the talent they think to win the national championship. I picked them to win the national championship before the season. I still think it's a possibility, mm-hmm. but for Mich- from the Michigan perspective, you kind of framed it this way earlier, but maybe it's not national championship or bust. Maybe this would still be a good season, even if you lose to Ohio state or is, is that completely off base? No, I think that's exactly right. I think um, as long as Michigan doesn't get embarrassed by Ohio state, um, as long as Michigan keeps it close, as long as, you know, as long as it's competitive in in all these ways, I think it's a, it's a successful season um, based on what Michigan has uh Based on what Michigan's been able to build um, these these past you know twenty four months, I'd say. I mean, you've got to remember for Michigan, like you know, twenty twenty was a two and four season. Um, yeah. You know, the the Harbaugh crazy to think about. It's you know, it, and it was two and four. You know, you can throw out the COVID year in a lot of ways, um, right? Like it's who knows like how much they were able to practice. Who knows? You know, they had lots of players sitting out. Like you know, but but it was like a like this Harbaugh thing is getting stale. Like we're not getting over the hump. And then all of a sudden, if we can't get over the hump with Jim Harbaugh, like, are we ever going to get over the hump? You know, like you're looking at what's going on at Nebraska and, you know, programs that have been great before, but maybe, you know, maybe they fade a little bit. And that's what Michigan, it seemed like they were doing. Um, At the same time, Michigan is a program that like Ohio State, but maybe more than most other programs, including Ohio State, values history, right? And values values its own tradition. And what is, you know, what is the goal of, of a Michigan football program? It's not winning the national championship. It's never been that. For Michigan, it's always been the Rose Bowl. So if Michigan makes the Rose Bowl and it, all of a sudden it's two years of, you know, 11 wins, this year is 11 you know. Uh, you know, getting to the game undefeated for the first time since you know, six, like this is successful. All of a sudden, Michigan has gone from, you know, from that disaster of 2020, from you know the the not even looking competitive against Ohio State for a few years, and all of a sudden it's okay. We've beaten Ohio State. We've beaten Michigan. You know, at, at this point, Michigan has won the last game against every team in the Big Ten, plus Notre Dame. Like things are great for Michigan right now. So as long as the game is close, I think a Rose Bowl is is very successful. Of course, the goal is to beat Ohio State, and the goal is to you know to, to have that be competitive every year and have it be a better year. Um, but this year just encapsulated eleven and one, 
maybe 12 and one if you can you know beat Utah or whoever it's gonna be in that Rose Bowl. Um, thumbs up basically all around. Yeah, makes sense. Well, Alejandro, I really appreciate it. I know it's a busy week for, for all of us, um, but uh, thank you. Alejandro and I also did, he answered some of my questions. It'll be in a written piece coming out later this week. If you want to go check out more Michigan content, they do a great job over at the Michigan Insider. So check them out over there. Thanks again, man. And it sounds like I'll see you at the shoe on Saturday. I will be there. I, I just got an email that, that said that this is the hottest ticket in college football this week, which Makes obviously sense. is no surprise. Um, but you know, the, these are the things that, that I feel make this job very special, right? I Absolutely. feel very lucky that, you know, I'll be, I'll be able to go down to, to Columbus and, you know, watch what should be a fantastic football game. Uh, one that's, you know, one that, that makes, that makes legends, whether it's, whether it's, you know, CJ Stroud, whether it's JJ or Blake Corum, who, whoever, whoever comes out on top, there's going to be a moment. Uh, you kind of feel it. You, there's going to be a moment that's going to be remembered for a long time. And I feel very lucky to to get to go down there and watch it in person. Absolutely. I agree. Every time I get to cover this game, it's it's a special one. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate your time again. Like I said, I know it's busy. So this has been great. And you gave some great insight to, to Ohio State fans out there. All right. All right. Talk to you later. See you, man. Again, that was Alejandro Zuniga who covers, <coughs> excuse me, the Michigan Wolverines football, basketball for our 247 sports site, Michigan Insider. This is the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy. We've talked a lot. We've, I think we've covered a lot of bases with, with this. We, we covered a lot of the Michigan angle with Alejandro. I think Tim and I did a, a decent job of, of hitting on it. I just want to kind of give my, my final thoughts on the game before we wrap up here. Let everyone cruise off into their Thanksgiving weekends, Michigan game weekends. Um, with, with some parting thoughts. Look, my biggest thing for this game, if I'm Ohio State, I'm Ryan Day. I'm the captains that go out there on Saturday just before noon. They win the coin toss, taking the ball. And I know that that's usually not the way that Ohio State does things. It's usually not the way most teams do things. I want the ball. I want to march right down the field. I want to make it 7 nothing out of the gates. Then I want my defense to get stopped. I want to make it 14 nothing quickly. I want to establish a tone against Michigan early. And, and this is not anything revolutionary that I, or, you know, anything completely mind blowing that I'm saying, but I think if you can get up 10, nothing, 14, especially 14, nothing early in that game, it's going to be hard in my mind, whether Blake Corn plays or not for Michigan to come from behind against this Ohio state defense. I think there are going to be certainly some challenges for the Buckeyes on both sides of the ball. I think JJ McCarthy, his ability to escape the pocket, we've seen Ohio state struggle with some of that. But Jim Knowles is aware of what they're getting themselves into. I think they'll have some kind of plan and will be able to adjust, which I think is the best thing that Jim Knowles brings to this program is the ability to adjust in games defensively. Look at the offensive side of the ball. You definitely have to establish the run, as Timmy and I were talking about at the beginning of the show. But this is the chance for C.J. Stroud to establish himself as the Heisman Trophy winner. If you look at his last few games, the numbers, aside from – five touchdowns uh, last week or two weeks ago, I guess I should say against Indiana, his, his numbers have, have fallen off. I tweeted last week. I think that Caleb Williams, USC's quarterback had jumped into the front runner for the Heisman with, with his performance against USC. Um, but yeah, CJ Stroud two weeks ago, 60.7% completion, 297 yards, 
Last week against Maryland, 60% completion, 241 yards. Those, I believe, are two of his four or five worst completion percentages in uh, in his two years as a starting quarterback. You didn't beat Michigan last year, C.J. Stroud. you got to come out and you got to play. He played well in that game last year. Now he has the defense behind him. He certainly has the weapons. This has to be kind of a bounce-back performance from these last two weeks. Go out there. I mean, do what you need to do to win the game, obviously, if you're Ohio State. But I think this is CJ's chance to to say, I'm going to take that Heisman Trophy and, and be that first guy since Troy Smith to bring the bronze statue back to Columbus. So we'll see how it goes, right? Saturday will be here before we know it. I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. I know you guys are excited. I don't know what I'm saying. This is the game. This is what every year builds to. And, and this is the perfect kind of culmination to this season. 11-0 Ohio State, 11-0 Michigan, two versus three. I was hoping last week, you know, when Georgia was struggling with Kentucky, oh, man, if, if, if Kentucky pulled the upset, one versus two again in the shoe, oh, what a story that would have been. But we'll take two versus three, right? I, I certainly will. Um, if, if you need any more high State coverage, there's plenty more that we'll have on Bucknuts and 247 Sports. Please check it out. Um, we're currently running a 75% off for annual subscribers. If you haven't joined, if you're into Ohio State football the way I think you guys all are, if you're a recruiting guy, um, jump on this opportunity right now. It's our Black Friday deal, but we started it on Wednesday. Jump on that while you still can. It's a great deal. If you know anybody who is an Ohio State fan that maybe isn't a Bucknuts or 247 Sports subscriber, what a great Christmas gift. And uh, you want to spend a ton of money on that one, 75% off, as I said. We'll have plenty of coverage here the, the next few days. Um, come Friday, predictions, all that good stuff. I'm going to wait on my prediction. Usually I, I talk about it, like I said earlier, I'm picking Ohio State to win. I think it'll be a close one. But in terms of number and how I think it'll play out, tune in on Friday uh, to the site. We'll have, we'll have that on our, on our roundtable. But, uh, again, I'm Patrick Murphy. Thank you guys all for tuning in, whether you were watching this live, whether you're listening to the podcast later. Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us out. Thanks again from Timmy Hall from The Fan and Alejandro Zaniga from our Michigan site at 247 Sports, Michigan Insider. Both gave us a lot of good insight, and uh, we went just over an hour. So Bucknuts happy hour plus a little. We'll see you Saturday at the shoe for the game. Cheers. now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.